Long History Conquering Manila Part 5 Whoever is the richest Gold on the Philippines Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of Long History and in fact this is the final part of our document Conquering Manila which looks at the early days of the setting up of the Spanish colonial capital on the Philippines in Manila on Luzon Island. This is the fifth and final part of this document but there was an accompanying document called How Manila Became Spanish which covers more or less the same story but from a different point of view. And then we have two other documents about the early days of the Philippines' Spanish colony. One called The Journey to Colonize the Philippines and another The Philippines' First Spanish Colony. So altogether these four documents cover a period between about 1565 and 1570 give or take a few years in either direction. As well as the early days of the Philippines we've also covered many famous voyages by famous explorers such as Columbus, Magellan, Sir Walter Raleigh, Sir Francis Drake. So there's lots to explore on long history and please do subscribe as we've got lots more to come. So in the previous episode the Spanish seemed to think that they conquered the local area around Manila. So with their wars all over they began to describe the local area and its people and its customs. That description will continue in this episode along with a roundup of the Philippines' Spanish possessions at that time. And we start in the middle of a debate about whether some of the local people on the coast are Muslims or not. So here we go with Conquering Manila Part 5. Whoever is the richest, gold on the Philippines. It is true that some of them who have been in Burney understand some of it and are able to read a few words of the Al-Quran. But these are very few and believe that he who has not been in Burney may eat pork, as I have heard many of them say. They swear by the sun and by the moon. And all the islands have this oath in common, a fact that I have noticed since our coming to this land. It does not seem to me that they are accustomed to worship animals, stars, clouds or other things which many idolatrous pagans are wont to adore. I believe, nevertheless, that they have many other customs with regard to sacrifices and witchcraft, for they actually practice these. But there is little advantage in wasting the time or burdening the mind therewith, for any rational person will be able to understand sufficiently the rest after reading what is herein written. Among them, up to the present day, I have not observed any sin against nature, which is saying a great deal of so uncivilised a race. Yet, with regard to their treatment of women, they are so vicious and licentious that any race whatever might excel them, and this is no insignificant evil and sin. Their custom in taking wives is the following. Whoever is the richest and has the most gold also has the most wives and offends most God. There is a law among these natives which is not bad, Namely, that however many wives a man has, among them all he regards one as his legitimate wife, and if, when he dies, he has no children by this woman, the children of the others do not inherit. In illustration of the truth of this, one may cite the death of Laia, whom I have already mentioned. When this man died, a Christian, he had no children by his legitimate wife, and although he had many by his other wives, they did not inherit. Therefore his property descended to a legitimate nephew of his. 
It is true, however, that the bastard children may deprive them of their property. I have above shown the characteristics and mode of government among these natives. They do not care to know more than that they are Indians, like all the other Indians. The chiefs are but slightly distinguished in dress from the slaves and freemen. Both women and men wear anklets of gold and bracelets upon their arms. In regard to the wars waged between them and the Spaniards hitherto, I have already told the principal exploits of captains and soldiers among them. I have already designated the captains who have achieved the most noted deeds in this conquest, and nothing further will be found. If it were necessary to give proof by calling upon all who are in this land, I would be ready to do that. As to what has taken place among the Pintados and among the Portuguese, my relation does not concern itself therewith. But I claim that the most important events which have occurred on these islands touching the relations between the natives and the Spaniards are those related and declared by me. As for the Portuguese, I shall only say that the Spaniards have shown great fidelity and bravery in the service of His Majesty, although they never came to a hand-to-hand -hand struggle with the Portuguese, except in a few ambuscades where they took some captives, as has been written at length by many chroniclers who live here. May God grant that they write the truth, for, as far as I can learn, very little credit can be given them, except in the case of Father Fray Diego de Herrera and Fray Martin de Rada, who, being religious and strongly attached to the service of God and the public good, will write the whole truth. And yet I do not believe that they will interest themselves in secular affairs. Now that I have written the customs and practices of the natives of these islands, I shall make a few remarks on the Indians of China, for I had begun to state them before. I said that they come to trade with the natives and the Spaniards of this island of Luzon, as well as to all the islands in this region, to import and sell silk stuffs, very good cotton robes and other small articles, very neat and similar in make and style to those worn by them. As I began to say above, both men and women are vigorous and light-complexioned. I say women, for some are to be found living in this island of Luzon. These Chinese live among these natives because they have fled from their own country, on account of certain events which took place there. They brought their wives with them. All of them, both men and women, number about 150. They became Christians after coming here. They are a very unassuming and modest people. They clothe themselves with long robes of cotton cloth and with silk. They wear wide breeches and sleeves and stockings like the Spaniards. They are a very ingenious and cleanly people. This is in brief what we have seen. They wear their hair very long, men as well as women, tied up and well arranged upon their heads. I have treated thus far of various matters. I come now to speak of the fertility of these islands, of what is gathered and sown in them, mainly with regard to those in which I have been. The island of Mindanao is very large and poorly populated, at least in the part in which I have been, which is from the river of Butuan to the Cape of Calamita, about 80 leagues along the coast. It is an extremely rough country. The natives there obtain very pure gold, 
for the mines are numerous and very rich. The Cape of Cahuite, located in this island, and where cinnamon is gathered, lies in five degrees of latitude and is toward the southeast. It is a very unhealthy country. As I remarked above, I have been at that cape. From the cape to the River Grande de Mindanao, the distance is about 60 leagues. We were very near this river of Mindanao with the small boat of the flagship which was lost in the Ladrones. Up to the present day, none of the Spaniards of our number who were in that ship have been in that river. Near this cape, there is an island called Tagima, and between the island and the said cape, the vessels of the Portuguese pass on their way to Maluco for cloves. Therefore, if the king or lord take Maluco for his own, for people say that his majesty has a right to it, the ships sent out will be able to carry out two commissions in one voyage, taking on a cargo of cloves and of cinnamon, for Maluco lies in the course and is a very good port, where they must of necessity touch. I have called attention to what I have seen in this island. Finally, I shall now speak of all the others which are on terms of peace, at least as far as concerns those where the Spaniards have been. The second is the island of Negros, which is absolutely peaceful. It contains about 20,000 inhabitants and is divided among the Spaniards who remained in Cebu. There are said to be gold mines there. Next is the said island of Cebu, which is poorly populated. Between these three islands there are many insignificant islets, some of them inhabited and some not. These I shall not mention in order to avoid prolixity, but in all of them there are mines. Farther to the northwest from Cebu are Baibai, Bayugo, Abuyo, Cavalian, Tandaya, Barciogama and other islets, among these which I have mentioned. They are divided among the same citizens of Cebu. Very few of them have peaceable inhabitants. With them, as with the others, it is best to bring about peace in these islands. Rice, cotton, great numbers of swine and fowls, wax and honey are produced there in great abundance. There are many mines, as has been shown, and the natives say that they are well populated. There is gold in all of these islands, but the most important thing is wanting Spanish people to colonise them. There remains to the west the island of Panay, which was very populous and fertile, and yielded great abundance of rice, swine, fowls, wax and honey. The natives say that there are gold mines in this island, and, since they say it, it must be true. The gold found there is very pure. When the governor was in that island, there fell upon it, because of our sins and those of the natives or God knows what, an extremely great plague of locusts, which has lasted three years and still continues. No field is sown which they do not destroy. A great famine and pestilence have sprung up among the natives of that island, so that more than half of them have died and they will continue to die until God, our Lord, is pleased to remove his anger from over it. From that island to the island of Luzon, it is about 60 leagues, and in the course is that of Mindoro. This is an island where much wax and honey is produced. It contains many gold mines and rivers where gold is gathered. 
I have been all about it on the farther coast which is to the south. It is well populated, while on the northern coast is the village called Mindoro, as well as the other thickly populated rivers. Those who have not seen it or set foot upon it say that it contains about 8,000 men. I shall dare to affirm from what I have seen of it that it has more than 15,000. It is very near the island of Luzon. Between this island and the others above named lie many small islets which are friendly, although they have but small populations. As I say, next is the island of Luzon, where the governor resides now, and which was settled in the manner above related. This island is thickly populated and large. The greater and better part of it is still to be conquered, I would say, from what I have seen of the villages and land. It does not seem to me that there will be any more resistance from any of them when they learn of the advantages of friendship with the Spaniards, for they have already been informed of the way in which those are treated who resist. To the present time, all that have been explored in this island is about 50 or 60 leagues along the coast from Manila to Ivalon, which is the landing place for the ships sailing to Nueva España. On the farther coast to the north, nothing is explored except the mines of Paracali, which were discovered by Captain Juan de Saucedo when crossing from Manila to the other sea with 60 men, as I have told above. Near these mines there is a large and thickly populated river called Pico. According to the reports of the natives, all of it is thickly populated. This island extends a long distance from Manila toward the west. Toward the south is a province called Iloquio, which is said to be very rich in gold mines, but the Spaniards have not seen it as yet. The natives have not been able to say how far this island extends in longitude. I have already said that all of it is thickly populated, and that it has great abundance of rice, fowls and swine, as well as great numbers of buffaloes, deer, wild boars and goats. It also produces great quantities of cotton and coloured cloths, wax and honey, and date palms abound. In conclusion, it is very well supplied with all the things above mentioned and many others which I shall not enumerate. It is the largest island which has thus far been discovered in these regions. As I say, it is well populated and very rich in gold mines. There is much trade with China. That part of it which has thus far been conquered and pacified, the governor has begun to allot to the conquerors. I could write many other things about this land and the conditions existing in it, but I omit them in order to avoid prolixity. Therefore, I bring the present relation to a close, to the honour and glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one and everlasting God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, and of the glorious Virgin Mary, Our Lady, in the year 1572, in this city of Manila, on the 20th day of the month of April. That's the end of the second document of a pair about the foundation of Manila as the colonial capital of the Philippines. But as we can see, especially towards the end of this document, much of the Philippines is as yet unexplored by the Spanish, and to a certain extent, although we leave this story of the founding of the city of Manila as the Spanish colonial capital, 
we're still in the midst of the action, because there is much to discover and the island of Luzon itself is yet to be explored by the Spanish. That's the end of four documents now about the early colonisation of the Philippines. I hope that's been of interest to you. As I said at the beginning of this pair of documents, welcome if you're from the Philippines or have any links to the Philippines. But of course, thanks to everyone for listening to these documents. Please do, if possible, give it a like before you move on. Don't forget to subscribe and explore. There's lots on Long History now. This was Conquering Manila Part 5. Whoever is the richest. Gold on the Philippines. Goodbye.